Today we'd like to consider one of my favorite kings of Israel. He was a great, great grandson of King David. His name was Asa, A-S-A. He started out very well as a king. I'd invite you to turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 14. Chapters 14, 15, and 16 give us a good view of King Asa. As I mentioned, he started out well. Chapter 14, 2 Corinthians, verse 2. Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of God. Good beginning. And one of the key things of his beginning as king was a great victory over Zira the Ethiopian. Lesson one of four lessons we'd like to think about, especially today. Lesson one, victory came through faith. They won the battle because they believed, they trusted in, they relied on God Almighty. Let's begin reading about this, some of the things he did leading up to it, and then the battle itself. Chapter 14, Second Chronicles, beginning in verse 3. And he, that is Asa, took away the altars of the foreign gods and the high places, and he broke down the images, and he cut down the groves, and he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to do the law and the commandment. And he took away out of the cities of Judah the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him. And he built fenced cities in Judah, for the land had rest, and he had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest given him peace. Therefore he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers and gates and bars while the land is yet before us because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him. Good thing to do, isn't it? And he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men who carried targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000. And out of Benjamin, who carried shields and drew bows, 280,000. All these were mighty men of valor. And there came out against them Zira the Ethiopian. He came with an army of a 1,000,000, how much is that? It's a million. Pretty big army. And 300 chariots. Chariots were formidable war instruments, a bit like tanks today. And came to Marisha. Then Asa went out against him. And they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephatah at Marisha. Now, this is a big enemy to fight, 
a million strong with all these chariots. And Asa cried out to the Lord. Now here we're going to see his faith. His God, and he said, Lord, Jehovah, nothing is with you to help, whether with many or with them who have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this crowd. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. And so you can sense the urgency of this prayer. You can sense the heartfeltness, the dependence he was placing on God. And thank God the, the car's fixed too now. Everybody's back. <laughs> God hears prayers. I'm sure some of you were praying about that as well. Thank you for those who helped get it fixed. But notice he said in verse 11, we rest on you. That's what faith is. Resting, trusting, depending on God. And so against this huge army of Zira the Ethiopian, a million strong, all these chariots like tanks, one thinks a little bit of what's happening over around Russia and Europe, do we not? That's something we should be praying about, I'm sure. We rest on you. Let not man prevail against you, he said in verse 11. He knew he was on God's side. They were God's people. He knew they were right in praying to God. And so he said, we rest on you, and it's against you, really, that this army is coming. Well, what happened? Did God hear his prayer? Verse 12 and on. So the Lord, God, he smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown so that they could not recover themselves because they were destroyed before the Lord and before his army, and they carried away very much spoil. And they smote all the cities about Gerar, because the fear of the Lord came on them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was very much spoil in them. And they smote also the tents of cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. And so how'd they win the battle? Faith. Who won the battle, really? God. But he used people. God got the victory over their enemies and his enemies. But the bottom line here, lesson one, victory came through faith, through trusting God. Sometimes we may have obstacles in our lives which seem insurmountable, seem very powerful, like Zebra the Ethiopian and his army and his chariots. If we're on God's side, God is on our side. We trust God, God is with us. He will answer. 
we can cry out to him from the depths of our soul, as did King Asa, the great-great-grandson of King David. Go with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5. Here we learn about faith, too. In fact, there's an old hymn, Faith is the Victory. <laughs> I believe it comes from here. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 4. Notice how prominent, how important faith, trust in Jesus is. For whatsoever, whoever is born from God overcomes the world. And this is the victory which overcomes the world, our faith. So faith is the victory. Through our trust in the Lord Jesus, we have victory. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Now they didn't know so much about Jesus back in Asa's time. They knew a Savior, a Messiah was going to come. But now he's come, and we know that he is God, and he died for our sins, and he is risen from the dead. He is victory over death, guilt, sin, over our great enemy, the devil. Faith is the victory. So that's a good lesson for us, isn't it? Whatever our situation may be, however great the opposition may be, appear. We can trust God. We can leave it in God's hands. Faith is the victory. We're called upon to trust in God, to love God, to live for God, to follow God. So that's a very important lesson. Lesson number one, exemplified by King Asa, to fully trust and depend upon God himself. Lesson number two, obedience and service will be rewarded. Back here in Second Chronicles, we find in chapter 15, the next chapter, verse 7, you be strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, because your work shall be rewarded. Our work will be rewarded as was true with King Asa. Now often Christians figure, well, you know, we get to heaven not by our own works, but by what Jesus did, it's by grace. And therefore they tend to think that cancels out a reward. But here he's not talking about that. He's talking about as believers, how we serve God your work shall be rewarded. As trusting Jesus, as we give our lives to him and allow him to work through us, then our service and our obedience will be rewarded. Doesn't get us into heaven, but he promises it will be a reward. Well, where do these words come from in chapter 15, verse seven? Your work shall be rewarded. Go back to the first verse, and we find out where those words came. And it was right after the victory over Zerah. 
In the original, you did not find chapter 14 and chapter 15. It all ran together. Well, we'd ended in verse 15 of the preceding chapter. They smote also the tents of cattle, carried away sheep and camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem after this great victory over Zerah. And then what happened? And the Spirit of God came on Azariah, the son of Odin, and he went out to meet King Asa. See, as they were coming back from the victory, this prophet goes out and meets them. And he went out to meet Asa, and he said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. And if you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. We can lose our fellowship with Jesus. He could lose his fellowship with God. He could stop depending on God. So he's warned here, don't do that. But if you stay close to God, then he's going to stay close to you and help you. Verse 3, now for a long season, Israel has been without the true God. They hadn't really been believing in and serving God like they should have. They've been without the true God. There are false gods too. And they've been without a teaching priest. It was important that they hear God's law, God's truth. And without law, they weren't doing it. And when they, in their trouble, did turn to the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found by them. And in those times, he's talking now about the period of the judges. Remember, we've talked about them before, where they would forget God and turn away from God and start worshiping idols, and God would bring different peoples, different ethnic groups against them. And then they'd cry out to God, and then God would deliver them. He'd give them victory over these enemies. And in those times, in these times of judges, there was no peace to him that went out nor to him that came in, but great vexations were on all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed by nation and city by city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Well, if you read the book of Judges, you'll find that these enemies would come in and they'd take their crops. They would oppress them. They had control. They were like vassals. They were almost like slaves. So they cried out to God. Now, Azariah the prophet gives a conclusion here in verse 7, which we read earlier. Therefore, be strong, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. So he gave them a choice, follow God or don't, but when you follow him, your work will be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words, and the prophecy of Oded, that is the dad of Azariah. Sometimes they're kind of lumped together. The prophet, he took courage, and he put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Jude and Benjamin, like he'd basically done back in chapter 14. And out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim, and he renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. Your work will be rewarded. 
he did what he should do in cleansing and getting back to God. And the third lesson is going to be calling the people also to God and setting an example in that way. But as we think of our work will be rewarded as we serve Jesus, I think of what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. This is the great resurrection chapter. And it comes to a great and wonderful conclusion at the end of the chapter. You see, we're going to get, as believers, new bodies someday. After we leave this world, our bodies are changed, whether at the Christ coming or whether through death and going through the intermediate state and then eventually he comes and we get the new bodies. But the bodies are indestructible. They're glorious like the body of Jesus raised from the dead. And they last forever. And so therefore we find at the end of the great resurrection chapter, chapter 15 beginning in verse, let's go back to verse 57. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he's talking about the resurrection, victory over sin and death, getting the new body, the new body that'll last forever. Therefore, my beloved brethren, you be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain, not futile in the Lord. We're going to get the new body, new bodies, unlike the rich man who had great crops and thought he was going to build better barns, bigger ones, and he would sit back and enjoy life and eat, drink, and be merry for years. But he was not taking into account the fact that he would die that night. <laughs> but here we learn that we're going to get these new bodies that will last forever. And so therefore we can be rewarded and continue to receive and enjoy that reward, whatever it may be, as God has promised, because our bodies are not like the, his dying body, but they're bodies that will live forever. Therefore, it says, be abounding in God's work. So we too, like Asa, will have service for him, living for him, obedience to him, that will be rewarded. God has promised us that. Again, not to get into heaven, but as God's redeemed people. He gives us a reward for how we serve him. Our service needs to be like gold and silver, back in 1 Corinthians. So the first lesson is victory comes through faith. The second lesson is obedience and service will be rewarded. But the third lesson that we'd like to point out is leadership by example is important. And so we go back to Second Chronicles chapter 15. Notice that Asa took courage in verse 8. And he did things for the Lord. He put away the idols and so forth. 
And then he gathered all Judah and Benjamin, the strangers out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, 15.9. For they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. If people see God's with us, that can be attractive to them. If they see how we have victory in Jesus and how we let his light shine, that's a witness that helps them become Christians. They saw that God was with him. So how did he do as far as setting an example? What kind of project did he lead the people into? So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month in the 15th year of the reign of Asa. And they offered to the Lord the same time from the spoil which they had brought, 700 oxen and 7,000 sheep. They brought it from the victory over Zebra the Ethiopian. And they entered into a covenant. Okay, he guided them, you see, and helped them to make an agreement with God. They entered into a covenant. King Asa was, you see, a leader in this thing. To seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul. That's how we should seek God and live for God, with all of our heart, with all of our soul. Are we doing that like we should? Hopefully we are. But here they entered into an agreement with God. Verse 13, that whoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel, hey, this is pretty strong, whoever would not do that would be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swore to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets. And all Judah rejoiced at the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart we gather nobody was put to death. They all agreed. They thought this was a great thing to make this covenant with God. And they sought him with their whole desire. And he was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest round about. Now that's really significant, isn't it? You see how these thoughts flow together and flow, flow out of each other. But then we find an interesting thing, too, that was... I would think kind of hard for King Asa to do along the line of repentance and changing things that ought not to be. Goes on in chapter 15, verse 16. And also concerning Maacah, the mother of Asa, actually grandmother, we see how these things kind of fit together sometimes. Son, grandson. So it was his grandmother he removed her from being queen. Imagine doing something that, like that to your grandma. <laughs> That'd be pretty tough to do, and some grandmas wouldn't like that at all. Because she had made an idol in a grove. Ah, she'd become, was involved with idolatry. That's part of the cleansing and repentance. Got to get rid of her idol, not let her have that position she had before. And Asa cut down her idol. He went and cut down Grandma's idol, that thing that she was worshiping, and stamped it and burned it at the brook Kidron. 
took a bit of courage, I would think, even though he was king, to do that with his grandma, because she was wrong. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. So he didn't quite go as far as he should have. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. So basically, he was doing right. And like we saw in chapter 14, verse 2, he'd done good things. And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated, that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war to the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. So basically, he had 35 good years of reigning, years of doing good things, years of trusting God, years of being a good leader in faith and example, leading in service, knowing that he would be rewarded. God gave him rest, peace in the land. I believe that was part of the reward. Now, kind of too bad then that chapter 16 happened. But you know, the Bible doesn't gloss over things. It, one of the reasons we believe it's inspired is because even the warts it shows, it deals with. And so we learn from lesson four and from chapter 16 that he had a very poor ending, great beginning, 35 years, but a poor ending. And so what we learn is in later times, don't turn away from following God. Don't slacken your love to him. Should we not instead be doing the opposite, growing in our fellowship and our devotion to the Lord? But here's a bad example. After 35 good years, he falls away. Chapter 16, then, beginning in verse 1. In fact, pretty much the whole chapter. In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come into Asa, king of Judah. Now, what should Asa have done? He should have done like he dealt with Zerah the Ethiopian, trusted God, called out to God against his oppression, against his threat. But instead, what did he do? Verse 2, Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, the palace. And he sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, a heathen king, an idolater, he sent to him who lived at Damascus, saying, There's a league between me and you, there's a treaty, as there was between my father and your father. Look, I have sent you silver and gold. Go, break your league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. So he was soliciting the help and paying for the help of Ben-Hadad, king of Syria. And Ben-Hadad paid attention to King Asa, and he sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they smote Ijan and Dan and Abel-Maim and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it happened when Baasha heard it, 
that he left off building of Ramah and let his work cease. Then Asa the king took all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber of it, wherewith Baasha was building. And he built with it Geba and Mizpah. And at that time, see, he didn't get away with this without God noticing. Not Azariah, but another prophet's going to come now and tell him what's really happening here. At that time, Hanani, the seer, they used to call prophets seers in earlier times. They could see things, the future and what have you. Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and he said to him, because you have relied, trusted in, depended on the king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, the heathen, the idolater, because you've done that and not relied on the Lord, your God, therefore is the army of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. He would have had victory himself and over Ben-Hadad. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim a large army? He was talking about Zebra, the Ethiopian that we talked about, and his army, with very many chariots and horsemen. Yet, because you did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. And here's a wonderful verse. We taught this to our children when they were young. Verse 9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Great thought. God's still doing that today. Eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, all over the world. He wants to show himself strong in the behalf of those who have good hearts, hearts yielded, trusting in him. Then he really points the finger here, as it were, at Asa. Herein you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Before he'd had rest, he'd had peace, he'd had victory. But because he'd turned away from God in his older reign, now you shall have wars. Then to make matters worse, what did Asa do? He got after the messenger. <laughs> you know, it's been said, don't blame the messenger. <laughs> then Asa was angry, wroth with the seer, with Hanani, and he put him in a prison house because he was in a rage with him because of this thing. He was furious because of the message that came to him. Instead of repenting and trusting God, he got angry at the prophet. And he was perhaps even a little angry at God. Who knows? And Asa oppressed some of the people at the same time. Not just Anani, but he was oppressing others, overreaching his authority. And look, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa, in his thirty and ninth year of his reign... He was diseased in his feet. He got something bad happening to his feet. Maybe he was diabetic, I don't know. Until his disease was very great, 
Yet, in his disease, he did not seek to the Lord, but to the doctors. Now, I've talked before about doctors. There's nothing wrong with going to a doctor, but your trust needs to overleap the doctor and fasten on God. God can use doctors to help us. He's done that, I'm sure, with all of our lives. But our trust needs to not be on the doctor, but in God himself the great physician and healer. You see, he wasn't doing that. He was depending on the doctor. Remember in the New Testament, there was Dr. Luke, a good fellow disciple of the Apostle Paul, and who wrote two books of the New Testament as God guided. But here he was trusting in the doctors instead of trusting in God. That was the problem. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign. They buried him in his own sepulchres, which he had made for himself in the city of David, and laid him in the bed which was filled with sweet odors and various kinds of spices, prepared by the druggist's art. And they made a very great burning for him. So as we think of Asa, we think, Basically, he was a good king, but he fell away in his last years. And so we learned, don't do that. I like what it says in Psalms 92, especially verse 14. Psalm 92, verse 14, but I'd like to begin reading in verse 13. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still produce fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. That verse especially. Bring forth fruit in old age. To show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. We need to not decline from following God when we are older. Even if we've had good times beforehand, we need to keep on producing, living for the Lord. We need to be like the Apostle Paul. He tells us in 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course, my race. I have kept the faith. Therefore, from now on, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not only to me, but to all them also who love his appearing. And he will come. He will take his people, and he will judge. I'd like to close with Second. Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Here we talk about the judgment of the Lord. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. All. That would be Christians and those who are not Christian. All of us must appear. That everyone may receive the things done in his body 
according to that he has done, whether it's good or bad. And so there will be a judgment. We're saved by our faith in Jesus, but what we do, good or bad, will be judged. Will it prove to be gold, silver, something valuable and lasting, or will it be wood, hay, and stubble? So we need to trust him, we need to follow him, we need to love him. Even when we've done it for many years, we must never fall away. We should always be devoted to the Lord who was so devoted to us. So devoted that he gave his life a sacrifice on the cross. At the Last Supper, he said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He also said, this is my blood of the New Testament, shed for the remission of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so may we have a moment of meditation before we take these emblems of his great love.